members to this episode of Fat Girl Book Club. For this episode, we didn't read a book. (laughs) I am doing a solo episode right now. So we're going to be talking about health at every size. If you are part of these body liberation spaces, which I hope you are, you have probably heard about everything that is going on with Lindo Bacon. And I'm not going to rehash everything here because there's a lot that's been written. There's a lot that's been said. And I think that there's other people probably doing a better job than me of creating a synopsis. I also really think it's important that you go to the primary sources on this. So I am going to have links in the show notes to Mikey Mercedes and her post, which was an open post on Patreon that explained her experiences with Lindo Bacon. And she has the transcript, an actual transcript of the conversation that she had with Lindo. And I think that that's really an important, important read uh, and to be able to understand why what Lindo said was so harmful. And then I'm going to put a link to Lindley Ashland's post. I think it was also on Patreon and it goes over her experience with another person in these spaces as well as Lindo. And then I'm also going to put a link to Asda's public response to everything that was going on with Lindo Bacon. And from there, especially if you go to Lindley's post, I believe she still has up all of the links to everything, to everything that's kind of been going on. So you should be able to catch up if you are out of the loop. But I am going to talk a little bit about my own experience with Health at Every Size, my own experience with Lindo's book, Health at Every Size. And I am going to kind of talk about some of the harm that I did unknowingly when I talk about my own experiences. So some of you know, some of you have heard my story. I, and it's, it's, I guess it's a lengthy story as probably all of our stories are when it comes to dieting, but I actually was late to the game when it came to dieting. I didn't start dieting till I was in my mid twenties, I guess. And that's when I kind of jumped on the bandwagon full force for my wedding because, you know, I have to be a thin bride. (laughs) So I jumped into a really well-known diet, one with points, and and off I started to go, and it was easy. I mean, it was so easy. It just started dropping weight like crazy, and I remember thinking, this is so easy. Why why don't people do this? Like, yeah, it takes some work to count all this stuff, but it's not that big a deal. <laughs> and and I did got got down to where I wanted to be, and that was great. And, and then, you know, I think, especially if you have gotten to this place where you have reached your quote unquote goal weight, there is this kind of, what do I do now? And so of course, as, as I think we all think, I think we think that if we get down to our goal weight, then we can start adding in more food because then we're at where we want to be. Our body's comfortable there. So of course we're going to be able to just add in more food. And that's not the way it works. If we wanted to maintain our weight, and there's been a lot of studies to prove this, and that national registry for um, that, that tracks people who have done weight loss 
very much proves this out that you have to keep up very disordered behaviors in order to be able to keep a weight loss, maintain a weight loss, which is exactly what the diet companies like about creating a diet because they know that they have customers who are just going to keep coming back. So of course, I started to gain weight again and that bothered me. So I went back to this same diet. Well, it didn't work the second time. I mean, to the point where I was doing all the same things, I was getting really frustrated and the the scale wasn't moving and nobody was believing me that I was doing all the same things. And I was getting really, really frustrated and upset. So then of course you try other diets because <laughs> you, know, you just haven't found the right one <laughs> and off I go. And so I did, I did. I went off to a number of different diets and I settled on one that has pre-done food. So you go every week, you meet with a quote unquote coach who has very little training uh, in terms of being a coach. And then you purchase their food, you get it right there at their center and you bring that home and that is all you're allowed to eat for the, that's all you're allowed to eat for the week. But again, I was like, this is so simple. Like they just tell me what to eat. If I just eat this, I'm going to lose weight. Like it's just so, so incredibly simple. Again, I got down to my goal weight and I was really excited. It took me like, I think it took a year and a half almost to get down to my goal weight. And I get down there and I'm so excited, but I know what's going to happen because now I've done enough of this that I know that, you know, I'm just going to gain the weight back unless I find a way to quote unquote, stay motivated. So I decided to sign up for a bodybuilding show. Now this had been a dream of mine for a really long time. I had, I had purchased all the magazines and I would always read them, not just cover to cover. I would read them twice. So I'd read them cover to cover. And then I would pull out any articles that I thought were really interesting about different, you know, workout routines or diets or a new weight loss drug or a new supplement or whatever. And I would pull those out and I put them in a separate binder. Oh, and I also pulled out, this is actually quite hilarious, but I had a separate binder from that binder where I pulled out before and afters for people who were my height, because I always thought, well, if they're my height, then we should weigh around the same. And if they can do it, I can do it. Right. You know, obviously you, you are still weigh too much if you don't weigh in the area of what these people were weighing. So I was really, really into bodybuilding. I thought bodybuilding was the coolest thing ever. And I really wanted to do a show. So when I got down to my goal weight with this center, I found a trainer and I asked to go, (laughs) I asked to do a show. And I thought for sure she'd say no. Like I literally did not think my body was good enough to be able to compete from the pictures I had seen in these magazines. And I don't know why I would have thought that because even at the time, my body type is, I I don't know what the term is for it, but I'm, I'm the apple. So yes, I definitely have a shape where my belly retains a lot more weight than other places, but I'm also can retain muscle very easily. So even at that point, I look like, like you could tell that I had muscles, but for some reason I was not good enough as we all think, I think in a lot of different ways in different areas of our lives. I didn't think I was good enough. I didn't think I was worthy, but I met with this trainer and she said, of course you can. She said, but the next show isn't for like six months. So I had to do kind of a bodybuilders diet program 
which that's not what they called it. They, it was just a meal plan. So she gave me a diet bodybuilders meal plan and workout routine for six months. That was a quote unquote normal, uh, <laughs> routine, which meant high, high amounts of protein. And, you know, I mean, there was definitely a caloric limit, but it was, I want to say high, but it, it was only that it was higher than what I had gotten at that center. It was still not high. And you were also allowed a quote unquote cheat day, which I hadn't had in years. So, you know, there was that. (laughs) And then four months before the show, you start on a plan to get your body to a place where you can go on stage in a really skimpy bikini and allow other people to judge you. And that's what I did. And I got so excited about doing this. I was hyper, hyper focused, which is what happens to me when I get into something that I really, really want to do. I get very, very hyper focused. I got really, really hyper focused on what it was I wanted to do. I began to be, I was disordered, I think, with my food and exercise before that point. But this got me to a point where it was, it was a lot And when that show finished, I actually ended up in the hospital. That was not fun. That was the the next day that I ended up in the hospital. I was in the hospital for for a day and a half. And I came home with a catheter bag that I had to wear for a week. So it was not the greatest experience. I remember thinking at the time that maybe it was worth it, which is a terrible thought to have. But I felt thin. I felt people were taking care of me and were worried about me and I I wanted that concern. And I felt, I just felt like I, I, it didn't feel wrong. And that, that I think was a big problem. Like there was a lot going on there for me. And when I finished that show, I didn't know what to do. My marriage started to fall apart. I I was not a good person at this point. I didn't really want to give my marriage anything. I wanted to give my, the weight loss I had just had and the new attention that I was having, that was my focus. And I did not do things right during that time period. And I didn't know what to do. And I was feeling so overwhelmed with everything that I felt like I had to do something. So I went to a therapist and I went for my marriage and I went because I had started to gain weight and I was seeing the scale jump up in leaps and bounds because all of a sudden I wasn't eating. When you do those last four months with a bodybuilding show, you, you are slowly uh, month over month, you are reducing the amount of calories that you're taking in. So I was not eating a lot, exercising a lot, and I had gone to this therapist to, to try to figure out my marriage, try to figure out what, what, why I was feeling the way I was feeling, which was this sense of chaos within myself. And she diagnosed me with an eating disorder. She said I had atypical bulimia. I did not purge, but I would quite often feel very, I would on my quote unquote cheat day, I began to eat And when I say a lot of food, it is a lot of food if you're not restricting at all. 
because there'd be entire boxes of things eaten in more than one, like in the same sitting. And I would get to a point where I would eat so much that I would have to lie down on the floor because my stomach would be in so much pain that I just didn't know what else to do to, to stop the ache that I was feeling. And I would not throw up, but I would go to the gym and it would be for countless hours. So she diagnosed me with uh, atypical bulimia and she, she wanted me to work with a nutritionalist, but she warned me, she said, you are going to gain weight. Well, that was, that wasn't acceptable because at the time I had already gained almost 20 pounds since my last show. And I was, I, I was definitely not, I was definitely feeling like I was going to get ugly. Like that's, that's the way I was feeling. My internalized fat phobia was very, very strong at this point. And I didn't know what to do. And when she diagnosed me with that and told me that I was going to gain weight working with a nutritionalist, I freaked out and I ghosted my therapist. She actually sent me a few messages and I just didn't respond. And I signed up for another bodybuilding show. So I'm back on this plan with that same trainer where I am really, really able to double down on my eating disorder. And I did. Now, because I had landed myself in the hospital, my family was completely boycotting any kind of support for this. So I didn't see my family for probably six months because they were like, we're not coming to see you because all you do is you won't eat with us and you, you have to do all these crazy workouts and you landed yourself in the hospital. So we don't want you to do this show. And so it was very, it was very isolating. I was very isolated within my eating disorder and that's the way I wanted it. Like I, at the time I did not see any issue with that whatsoever. We didn't live in the same community and nobody else really saw a problem with this, right? This is the type of thing that the the society culturally goes, Oh, you're, you're doing a good thing. Like they, I was praised a lot for what I was doing. Praised a lot. And I told myself it was because I wanted to see if I could do it without putting myself in the hospital. I was like, I just don't want to be in the hospital. Like that's my goal here is just to do it without putting myself in the hospital. Cause this had been a dream for such a long time. Like I, I kid you not, I started to read those bodybuilding magazines when I was still in high school. And now we're talking, I was mid thirties. So I, had been reading these magazines for a really long time. And this was, you know, what I had culturally been taking in the messaging I had been taking in. And we talk a lot in body liberation spaces about curating your social media feed and changing what you're seeing in front of you. And at that time, what I was seeing in front of me was a lot of this bodybuilding rhetoric. So, and this, this point, my marriage had fallen apart and I was literally just focusing pretty much on doing this show. And that was kind of my life. So I did the show, but I knew something was wrong. Like I knew that I just, I just couldn't, couldn't do this. I couldn't keep this up forever because it was so much. And I remember after the show, again, I started gaining weight and I'm crying all the time because I don't know what to do because I'm so overwhelmed. And I went back to that center, that diet that was the pre-planned food. I went back there. And again, I got to my goal weight. Like I, I honestly, if there was anything I was really good at, it was somebody tells me what to do and I did it. Uh, <laughs> 
So I reached my goal weight again. And then because you have to stay so long as a maintenance client with them, I had stayed on and then I had a family tragedy and my uncle, my uncle was put into hospice care and I had to come back to my hometown and deal with my family and deal with, with my loved ones and see my uncle on his deathbed. Obviously this is a really, really hard time. And I came back on a flight, so I did not have a vehicle or anything like that. And I'm a big, big, big reader. I mean, obviously running a podcast like this, Fat Girl Book Club, (laughs) I am a big, big reader. So I had taken one of the biggest books on my shelf to read. And I have a, always have a really big pile of books that I haven't read that I plan on reading. So I had picked up the book Health at Every Size by Linda Bacon, or at the time, Linda Bacon. And I don't even know how I picked it up. I think I was on Amazon one time and I had picked up something else and it was one of those, oh, if you like that, you'll like this kind of thing. And, and so I, 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 I bought it. I, and it's so funny because when I think back, the cover of that book has a scale in a trash can and I don't even think it registered to me that that's what was going on. Like, I think for me, it was just that there was a scale there and the title and it came up because I'd purchased another kind of quote unquote diet book. And so I had purchased it not really knowing at all what it was about and probably thinking, because I remember even when I read it, I was thinking, this is the same kind of stuff that a lot of diet books say. Don't go on a diet. Dieting doesn't work, but we need to start, you know, changing what you're eating and you will lose weight. Like that was kind of my expectation with this book. But I took it with me on this trip because it was one of the biggest books I had that I hadn't read and I needed something big because I knew I was going to be there for like a week, maybe, maybe more. So I brought that book. And again, as I was reading that book, I do not think that half the things in there really registered with me at all. All I remember was that I kept waiting for the part where it was going to tell me the secret to losing weight or to maintaining my weight. Like I literally, that's what I was waiting for. And it didn't happen. And I thought that that was a little weird, but it obviously planted some seeds because I got back uh, to town and I really hadn't, I mean, there would have been no problem if I had, but I really hadn't gone wild on the food or the portions. Uh, I didn't exercise because I didn't have a car, so I couldn't go anywhere. And I was really, really focused on my uncle and spending as much time as I could with my family. And I got back and I had gained more weight than you should have in a week of not really eating all that much and not like eating like a normal person. Again, there would have been nothing wrong if I had eaten copious amounts and just sat there and done nothing. There would have been no issue with that. There's no moral superiority to what I did. And, but that was not really what happened. And I really wasn't I really wasn't cognizant anyway. It wasn't to me like I was sitting there going, oh, I'm only going to eat half this. So I, you know, keep the weight off. That really wasn't what was going on, but it doesn't matter. I got back and I had gained a bunch of weight. And so I go back to this coach and she says to me, well, you didn't really put the oxygen mask on yourself first. And I remember just feeling this 
great big ball of anger. Just anger. Because I was like, my uncle was dying. And putting the oxygen mask on myself first meant taking care of myself and my family. Which doesn't have to mean going on a diet and doing exercise. And I remember thinking, when is it going to be enough? I've given my life. I, I gave my marriage. I gave my my mental health. I feel like I even gave my health because I landed up in the hospital to being thin. And it wasn't enough. I was being told by someone that it wasn't enough. I wasn't doing enough. And I think that's when the house of cards just started to tumble. And at that point, I remember starting to get my hands on everything I could about health at every size. And I think the full-on turning point came for me because I there was nobody really around me who really understood this stuff. And it was really hard for me to explain to people what I was trying to do. So I think the real turning point came for me when I read The Body is Not an Apology by Sonia Renee Taylor. It made me realize that... Uh, the culture around us is shaping the way that we're supposed to think about our bodies. And maybe that isn't the way we should think about our bodies. And so I remember that's when I kind of bought in. That's when I sort of said, I'm not going back. (laughs) Another pivotal book, and I'm only going to mention this because it's going to come up in, in what I'm going to talk about next for me was The Fuck It Diet by Carolyn Dooner. So you get off the dieting train. I remember reading Health at Every Size. I remember reading The Body is Not an Apology. I know at some point in between there, I read Intuitive Eating. And I remember Intuitive Eating just being like, nope. (laughs) It was so overwhelming. And I remember thinking, okay, well, what's one thing I can do? Well, it tells me then in here that I can do this hunger fullness scale. So I started trying to create a hunger scale for me. Like I, I didn't even try to use theirs. I tried to create one for me and I couldn't do it. I just couldn't do it. I was too close to my dieting days to be able to figure out when I was hungry. That was really frustrating. And so I remember thinking, okay, I'm just not going to worry about this right now. I'm going to focus on other things. And that's what I did. And I remember I read The Fuck It Diet right after it came out because I'd been following Carolyn Dooner for a while. And, uh, and I, and I remember the, the, the overall message with that book was unconditional permission to eat. That is the main thing that I got out of that book. The main thing. And I think for me, that was a lot more palatable and a lot easier to understand. And it was a to do that I was a very comfortable doing. And it was just like, okay. And, and I bought in, I bought in. So for me, in terms of my healing with food, I needed to hear that message and I needed to hear it over and over again in book size form that it was okay for me to eat. And so that's why that book had such an impact on my journey. So now fast forward to two weeks ago and think about this. In the meantime, I have gone on to I, ha- I haven't been on a ton of podcasts, but I've been on a handful of podcasts and I quite often talk about the book Health at Every Size as being my turning point, as being the turning point for me. And I quite often talk about the fuck it diet as being the preferred book. Like that's the one I tell people to read when it comes to healing their relationship with food, because it is a little more manageable than something like intuitive eating. And now we get to 
the other day when all of this goes down and I begin to realize the harm that I have caused by doing that. By telling people that that book was a turning point for me and without clarifying that Health at Every Size is a movement. The copyright on Health at Every Size is owned by ASDA. And it was started a long time ago, long before Lindo Bacon. Long time before Lindo Bacon. I did not express that clearly enough when I talked to people about that book. I hope I, because I always knew it, so I don't think I ever said anything about them being the leader or the the person who started it. But I did not and was not clear about the origins of the movement. And my understanding is that Health at Every Size, the origins are black queer women. So I've caused a lot of harm in that way. And I know better, do better, and I will. The other thing that I have gone on to talk a lot about is my relationship with the fuck it diet and how much it helped me. Carolyn Dooner has also said some problematic things in the last little while. I guess what I'm saying with Carolyn Dooner is that I completely disagree with what is she is saying. And I'm not going to get into it too much here, but essentially she is... She has talked a lot about cancel culture and her feelings are that cancel culture because of some joke she did on April Fool's Day and how people reacted to that and her reaction and and quite like I understand this reaction, the reaction that people have to getting called out about something that they're doing that may have been harmful to certain marginalized groups is to double down. I do get that response. I do understand that because it makes sense that at the time you thought you were doing something without really thinking about those groups. And I get, I get doubling down. I I definitely get it. But when you stop and think, am I hurting another group? Should I maybe rethink this? And if your answer is yes, then it's time for some reparations. It's time for engaging with the communities you've hurt to try to find out how you can repair damage. And in both of these cases, neither of them are doing that. And I I really feel strongly that that is a mistake on a lot of different levels. Most importantly, it's a mistake because you're continually, by doubling down and doubling down again and again and again, you're further hurting these groups. And these groups have already been through enough. Just don't be a dick. And I feel like they both kind of are. So again, I have recommended these books over and over again because they were so important to my own journey. And now 
Now there's a big caveat when I mention anything about these books because of, of everything that's gone on. I think the other thing that maybe I didn't quite grasp as much as I should have was that both of these books really focus on individual behaviors. And this is something that, you know, we talk a lot about when it comes to dieting and exercise is that especially governments like to point to diet and exercise and, and doctors point to diet and exercise because it's an individual behavior that they think is controllable, but it completely ignores the bigger issue. Like social determinants of health are actually extremely important and make more of a difference to our health than things like diet and exercise. But we like to point to these little individual human behaviors because we think that those are the only things we have control over. Therefore, those are the only things that we really need to focus on. And both of these books, Health at Every Size and The Fuck It Diet, and and Lindo has said that Health at Every Size is that it was a mistake that they made when they wrote the book to talk about these behaviors as though they are what make a difference. That is why Lindo quite frequently has recommended the other book that they wrote with Lucy Aframore called Body Respect because it goes into more of the social determinants of health. But The Fuck It Diet is definitely a very individual book. And and there are like there are a number of books that are like that that are still helpful. It's just it's important to remember that Health at Every Size the movement does take into account the social determinants of health and focuses on those as the major reason for health challenges. So what I want to do now is give you some books that are going to give you a better understanding of fat liberation politics, health at every size. And I think my book list here that I have I think I have one book on here that is written by someone in a uh, straight size body. Yeah, I think I have one book on here that's written by someone in a straight size body. So I hope it will give you a few different options of books you can look into. Now, a lot of these have been on the podcast, but not all of them. And I hope that you will read some of these in place of instead of health at every size. And I hope that I know for me, I am going to be recommending more of these books and talking about these books more, especially when I do podcast interviews or when I am talking about my own story, I am going to be giving these books because they're amazing because they're amazing. Okay. So let me start with a couple of books that are like a memoir nonfiction hybrid. And I kind of really like this format as much as I have a hard time classifying it and putting it into a little box and say, this is what type of book it is. I really like this format because it gives us an idea of the person's life. And it also gives us some factual information. So it becomes a book that you can give to other people because it's not just giving us somebody's story. Like it just doesn't go into, um, their experience at the doctor's office and how horrifying that is for them. It also maybe gives a little bit of background on medicalized fat phobia. So those two books are Fatally Ever After by Stephanie Yeboa and Happy Fat by Sophie Hagen. Fatally Ever After, I mean, 
this book looks like you pick it up and you're like, okay, it's so fun because it's like this bright orange cover and Stephanie Yubo is like dancing on the front cover. And if you've followed her Instagram feed at all, she is like, she's just such a badass in all the clothes that she shows. And so, and you flip through the book and it's like really colorful. There's lots of colorful pages. So you think maybe that it might be kind of flighty and it is so not. <laughs> her book is fantastic because she gives some of her own experiences, which are very difficult to read. She gives a lot of facts and studies about why what is happening to her is fat phobia or anti-fatness. And then she kind of takes it a step further and talks about why in her black body, it's different for someone who is in a white body, even if both bodies are fat bodies. And I love this approach uh, because for someone like me who is white, it's a really very clear indication of intersectionality. And it really reinforces the idea that bodies are treated differently even if their size is the same bodies are treated differently if they're different colored bodies and so I I appreciated that a lot she didn't have to do it that way but it made so much sense to me and I think that it was just such a it helped people out like me who have a ha, understand intersectionality on a logical level but need to read more stories and have it literally pointed out to us what certain things mean when we see that intersectionality up close so I I loved this book for that and Happy Fat was really the same thing Sophie Hagen she's a comedian And so the book is really quite funny, but same thing. She gives you these stories and then she goes into a lot of different facts and she, you know, expresses why these things happen the way they're happening. And so they're a really great primer for somebody that is brand new to this work. I want to talk about especially the intersection of fatness and blackness because there's been quite a bit written recently that is really, really good. And this brings into the discussion, the social determinants of health and intersectionality, and it gives you a lot of history. And I think that that's really, really important. So I will mention Fearing the Black Body by Sabrina Strings, Belly of the Beast by Deshaun Harrison, and Fat Shame by Amy Erdman Farrell. So the Fat Shame was the first one, first book I read that was like this. And it's a, it's a good overview. It goes into anti-fatness, anti-blackness. It also goes into a really interesting discussion around the uh, feminism and anti-fatness. And I thought that that was a really worthwhile read there. And then she gets into some case studies, which is actually quite interesting around the Obamas and Oprah and why, how these things kind of intersect. So I think that that is a really interesting read, especially if you like, if you like to start to make these connections, but it is an overview book. So to get a little deeper, you, you're going to have to go to other books and Fearing the Black Body is one that, I mean, I don't know, I have read it like five or six times now. And every time I read it, I get something else out of it. It's a amazing book. It's just amazing because 
Sabrina Strings takes us from the like the very start. <laughs> well, not the very start. I, you know what? It's not the start. It's like 1500s or something. And it talks about art and literature and how we see the evolution of fat bodies, of white bodies, of black bodies, and how we start to see connections being made that have lingered into current society. So I think it's a really great read to be able to figure out how we got where we are. And Belly of the Beast is not a long read, but powerful. And again, brings in anti-fatness, anti-blackness into something that it's it's not long, but it's going to take a while to read and understand what Deshaun the message that is there. And I and I really feel like if you've done the reading in terms of even fearing the black body or fatally ever after or even happy fat, you can probably get some of these concepts just by reading a little bit, but it is it's powerful. It's a powerful read. And that is one I haven't had on the show yet that I'm looking forward to getting on here. All right, then what do I have here? Okay, then I want to talk about a couple that I think really get into the idea that we can live in a larger body and find happiness. And it gets into why that's difficult. And it's the, these three that I'm going to talk about are a little bit more nonfiction. There is some... There is some storytelling in it, but mostly they are nonfiction. So the ones I want to talk about here are what we don't talk about when we talk about fat by Aubrey Gordon. You have the right to remain fat by Virgie Tovar. And the body is not an apology by Sonia Renee Taylor. So, you know, my experience with the body is not an apology by Sonia Renee Taylor. That was the first book that opened my eyes to it's okay to be in a larger body and the way the world treats people in larger bodies is not okay. And I began to realize that we culturally through our policies, through our art, through our literature, through everything that's around us that we kind of absorb in, that is how we're getting these messages, these untrue messages that we somehow need to, that we just, that we somehow need to change. And so The Body is Not an Apology is, I mean, it's must read. Without a doubt, I would say it's a must read book. You have to read that one. You have the right to remain fat. Okay, Virgie is like one of my favorite people. Like if I could get her on the show, I just, I think I would be like giddy with happiness. She's so wonderful. (laughs) And every time I see her, like I've watched her tech talk a few times and I follow her on Instagram, obviously. I just, her smile just makes me smile. Like she just lights me up. And she starts this book off with this story about how she used to love to jiggle as a kid. So she would like come home from uh, preschool and rip off all her clothes and just stand there and jiggle and let everything jiggle. And I, I love the fat joyness of it. The, 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 the beauty behind that is just incredible. And she goes in, she is, it's, it's again, a very short book, but it goes into this, these theories of fat liberation about why our bodies are okay. They are just fine. They are completely worthy. And that the culture that we live in is the problem, not us. And what we don't talk about when we talk about fat, 
I mean, Aubrey Gordon, this book is, it's, it's really wonderful to go into some of the specifics about like she has a whole chapter on airplane seats and airplanes and she really gets into some of the politics around what it means to be in a larger body. She talks about the medicalization. She talks about children and, and the messages that we're giving children with some of the things that we're doing. And so we're, we're really starting to get into some of the the specifics on it. like it's the type of book that I would suggest you read before reading something like Virgie Tovar's You Have the Right to Remain Fat which gets into more of these bigger ideas about the structures and frameworks that we're living in. Okay now I want to talk about two books that two books three books okay I want to t- <laughs> I want to talk about all the books guys I want to talk about all the books. Okay, I'm just going to mention three that I think are really specific, but I think are really powerful to read in the context of all the stuff we've been talking about. So Killer Fat by Natalie Boero. I loved this book. One of the things in Sabrina Strings book that she talks about is the proliferation and the uprising of women's magazines and how this began to change the structure of our culture in terms of what what was important for white women in particular to look like and act like. And that kind of made sense to me, but I think living in this land of social media where we feel like social media is everybody's on it and everybody does it and every and that is like the place to go and it 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 definitely is shaping our society and our culture it was hard for me to grasp how how exactly that worked and killer fat gives you that it deals very specifically four chapters the start is three different policies that were brought out by the government And the reaction to those policies by what she calls moral entrepreneurs and how they picked that up and said it did not go far enough. This is how these types of things are perpetuated. Then she went into the the way the Times, the newspaper, picked up on all of these things. So the the laws picks up on the the mentions by these moral entrepreneurs and what it kind of runs with in order to shape what's happening around us in the world. And then she gets a little more micro and begins to talk about dieting. Like she took two particular diets and, and talked to people and kind of put those into this context. And then she talks about bypass surgery and talks about people in bypass surgery. So those first two chapters, especially for me, were really powerful because I began to understand the nitty gritty of how this works. So it gets really messy, right? Like the politicians set out something that they think is uh, kind of neutral or maybe skewing slightly one way, but not really. And then we get these moral entrepreneurs that go, it's not far enough. And then it's picked up by media and there are you know, especially liking to listen to people on far one side because it's more clickbait. So they'll take that and run with it. And then these creates these like black boxes of things we don't talk about, which includes, you know, this idea that thinner is better and healthier becomes a black box topic that not even doctors are willing to 
a question. And so I, I liked that discussion. I felt it actually really very much added to my health at every size knowledge, my fat liberation knowledge. So I think it is definitely a worthwhile read. I also want to talk about a book I've had on the show here called Decolonizing Wellness by Dahlia Kinsey. And I had Dahlia on the show. It's an amazing read. And it it's definitely intersectional. Like there's definitely that discussion within the book. Dahlia said on the podcast that when Dahlia wrote it, it was written as though there was no white people in the room. Which for me, reading that book was so educational. And I know that that is not how Dahlia meant it. It was meant to be a companion for someone who is a person of color and or LGBTQ2SIA+. And yet I got so much out of that book. I highly recommend it. It comes with exercises and there's space to write in the book, which I think is wonderful. It turns it into kind of a workbook kind of feel. And it, it very much focuses on feeling your feelings in a way that makes sense. So I, I really recommend that one to add to your collection. Uh, and then I have also got Fatso by Marilyn Wan, an oldie but a goodie. It's fat joy. I loved reading that book. It was very uplifting and upbeat. I think sometimes these topics can be uh, very heavy because pretty much in all of these books, there is a discussion around how the culture creates this framework and says you should not be happy looking the way that you do. And the fact that we are having to work so hard and go so far upstream in order to try to connect with ourselves and be happy in the bodies that we're in, this can be really draining work. And so Fatso, while it does cover all of these things, is just really fun. There's cutout dolls in it. There is a, it's like a flip book. Like if you take the the book and you flip through it in the corner, there's like this fat dancing lady. And I mean, it's just so much fun. And yet those concepts are still there in a way that is kind of fun. So it's another really good one to read maybe at the start. All right. The last book I want to mention is fiction, but it made a really big impact on me. So I, I'm excited about it. It was Dietland by Saray Walker. I mean, I, the main character starts off at the beginning wanting bypass surgery and she's been she's almost to her date where she's supposed to get the surgery and she meets the this cast of characters kind of comes in there's a bit of an Alice in Wonderland theme going on in this book and and it just <laughs> you'd have to read the book to know what I mean but the reality is I would really like to see more fat angry people with bricks in their hands everywhere I go and so it made me very, I really liked the, the protagonist's journey. And I really liked the education that happened. It wasn't very like, you know, sometimes you read books where they're trying, you, they're obviously trying to make a point. So you get one character in the book who will come in and, and give you this like full on educational dump of stuff, right? Especially if you're reading like personal development books, sometimes you get these, uh, like those ones that are like meant to be like parables. 
you get to you they get these characters that'll come in and they will begin to talk about you know about all this like you know this is the way the universe works and like they'll just do this educational dump and it's like three pages of you know rhetoric around whatever it is that they're trying to talk about <laughs> this is not like that <laughs> and I think that's why I enjoyed it so much it's a great great story and there's got some really good things in there and it really does make you think about what it means to diet, what it means to want to be in a thin body, what it means to avoid your life because you're in a larger body. Okay, I think I'm going to end off here with a couple of mentions for books that are stories. So these are stories of people living in larger bodies. And the reason why I want to end with these is that, you know, Nicole Haggett talks about this a lot. She was also on the show, but but go look her up because there actually was both Nicola Haggett and Vinnie Wellsby, who's Fierce Fatty. They both put out lists of books uh, to read in place of Health at Every Size or just to, to bring your knowledge to a different level beyond Health at Every Size if that's the only one that you've read. And I know Lindley also talked about a book. What was that book called? I just ordered it. So I'm going to, I will come back to you on what, on how it is, but it is called Thrive at Any Weight, Eating to Nourish Body, Soul, and Self-Esteem. And it is written by an author in a larger body. So, you know, there are books out there to begin to move us away from using Lindo's book as the kind of health at every size Bible. We don't need to do that anymore. But back to what I was saying before, sorry, Nicola Haggett talks a lot about how stories and storytelling, and Kimberly Dark does this too, actually, talks a lot about how stories and storytelling are a really, really amazing way to begin to feel relation to people who are in larger bodies and to feel uh, what kind of challenges come up and to begin to understand your own body story by listening to what they have to say about theirs. And so I think there's a lot of value in reading other people's stories. And so I'm going to mention a few here that I think are really great. Big Stories About Life in Plus Size Bodies is a, a collection, an anthology. Christina Myers was the editor on that. And I did a couple episodes on that book. It is phenomenal. It's got a number of stories that I think really hit on some really key issues with being in a larger body. Unashamed by Leah Verdon. Follow her on Instagram if you don't already because she's awesome. This was a really cool book. I actually enjoyed this one quite a lot. I just recently had it on the show and and it was, you know, it, so much happens for Leah Verdon. She is a, a model. Like, I can't imagine what it's like walking around our everyday lives, walking around in larger bodies is one thing, but to be a model and have you know, that scrutiny. I mean, I dieted down for years at a time in order to be able to go on a stage and have other people judge me. And being in a larger body and being a model, you do that pretty regularly. And she talks about her trolling experiences. She talks about, you know, some of the struggles she had on a personal level. And she's pretty raw about even discussing things that I think a lot of other people would not have talked about. So I think it's a great book to read. It's, it's, it's a great book to read because it is so vulnerable. Don't Let It Get You Down by Savala Nolan. 
one of my best books of the year. I know it's going to be because it was super impactful for me. This was a, a really, a really wonderful read because Savala is so thoughtful and her writing is so incredibly beautiful. And it's a, it's a collection of essays. And I think that just go out and get this book. Like, honestly, I, I, I cannot recommend it highly enough. It was super good. Fat, Pretty, and Soon to Be Old by Kimberly Dark. Loved that book. She, again, it's it's more of like a collection of essays, but some of the ones in there I really connected with. I can remember her talking about this little boy that, you know, mentions her weight right there at the dinner table and everybody goes silent. And like, I mean, the things that we're saying culturally we're not allowing kids to speak their mind. And this kid could have been coming at it from a place of curiosity, from a place of hatred. He could have already felt fat phobia. And Kimberly kind of puts him, not maybe not in his place, but says, yes, I am. And that's okay. Like, it's okay that I'm in this body. And, and some people don't like the word fat. So I don't really care, but some people don't like it. And it's a really mean word and can hurt people. So you may want to watch saying that, but yes, I'm in a larger body and that's okay. It's okay for me to be like this. I'm still a worthy human being. And I loved that so much. I like, I thought it was so powerful. And so she's got some really great, really powerful stories that will really stick with you about being in a larger body and handling certain things in the culture around us. Her other book too, Damaged Like Me, was also really, really good and really powerful. Hunger by Roxanne Gay. I mean, hunger gets pointed to a lot because it's powerful. It's really an impactful book. And one of the things that I think makes it so powerful is that Roxane Gay is not, she's not on board with body liberation. Like she is, and she talks about this in the book, logically she is, but on a practical level, when she's having to get up on stage and she breaks chairs, all of a sudden it's like, no, I don't, I cannot be in a world that doesn't want me to be here. And so it's really an interesting, she really sits in that gray zone. And I think a lot of us can relate to what she says there. It's, it's really powerful in that way. And Heavy by Kiese Lamont. Obviously, the majority of these books really focus on the female experience and having a male perspective on his larger body is really interesting. Again, I think it's one of those books where he sits in the gray area. He's not body positive per se, but he speaks a lot about his relationship to his body. And I think it's it makes it even more powerful that he can sit in that gray area and not have to come to a bunch of conclusions the way that we expect books to wrap up in a bow. So... Anyway, like I said, most of these books have been on the show, so feel free to go back and listen to some old episodes because, yeah, they're good. These guests were amazing. My guests, I I mean, I really can't thank my guests enough, right? Like, they are really pretty incredible. So anyway, that's what I've got for you. Again, there are more, way more book lists out there. Look up Nicola Haggett, look up Fierce Fatty, Vinnie Wellsby, and get more ideas for books. And just know that I am going to be, that I, I am going to be changing my rhetoric around the books that I normally talk about when I talk about my story. 
Okay, what else can I tell you? I can tell you that I'm hoping to maybe put up a PDF or something with these books on it. Maybe I'll just change my my page on my website with these books so that you can go ahead and, and see the full list without me just chatting around about them somewhere. So look for that in the show notes. There'll be a link in the show notes to wherever I've put it, whether I've put that as a you know, something that is downloadable as a PDF or whether I've put it on my page, you'll see that below. Yeah, I guess that's mostly what I have to say. Let's round this out with this. Please connect with me on Instagram, Fat Girl Book Club Pod. I'd love to see you over there. I would also really like it if you have some time and would like to send me an email. I would love that too. I have a new email address. So if there's anyone out there who's listening who has my old one, just so you know, I've switched over to a new email address. That will be in the show notes below. Please send me an email. Tell me what you think. I love to hear from you. Tell me, you know, book recommendations that you have. Tell me, you know, if you're doing something in this space, maybe you'd like to come on. I'd love to have you. You know, like just let's start a convo. Love to hear from you. Okay. Lastly, I would really like to thank my Patreon supporters. So thank you very, very, very much to Pascal, to Amy, to Ace, and to Jenny. I really couldn't do this work without you. And if you would like a shout out on the podcast and supporting me big time, please check out my Patreon page, which will also be in the show notes. Apparently all you need to do is just like go to the show notes and you'll get the entire episode right there. Okay. I think that that is all I've got for you right now, guys. So I'm really happy you're here. Thank you for being here. Let's all try to treat one another with kindness, respect. Let's just try not to be dicks. That'd be nice. I hope you have a great day. Keep reading everyone.